Grand Theft Auto is one of the best-selling video games of all time. If you've never played it, it's truly a unique experience. You can do almost anything. Change the radio station while you're driving, go scuba diving, enjoy a night at the movies, but you can also kill prostitutes and police officers. And this has made Grand Theft Auto the poster child for violence in video games. The company that makes the game, Take-Two Interactive Software, has been criticized for inspiring school shootings and mass killings. But this episode isn't about violence in video games. It's about the violence that Take-Two did to its financial statements. Take-Two was forced to restate its financials three times in a span of just five years. Each time you thought it was over, Take-Two ended up in the news again. And the company's founder was right in the middle of it. Would the guy behind Grand Theft Auto get sent to prison? I'm Michael McLaughlin, and this is Scheme. Let's do this. Ryan Brandt founded Take-Two in 1993 when he was just 21 years old. Take-Two later acquired Grand Theft Auto from another company and it created a subsidiary called Rockstar Games to produce a whole series of Grand Theft Auto games. And those games have been very successful. Grand Theft Auto 3 was the best-selling video game of 2001. I can still remember playing it on my PlayStation 2. I was speeding down the streets of Liberty City with the radio blaring while the cops chased me. I wasn't in college at the time, so I didn't know anything about accounting. I had no idea that the company's accounting was more lawless than the game itself. Now, Ryan Brandt wasn't just the company's founder, he was also the CEO, and he got paid a lot more money if the company met its earnings targets. Giving a CEO bonuses for hitting profit targets is a good idea in theory, as it gives the CEO an incentive to improve the company's performance. But it also gives them an incentive to lie, cheat, and do whatever it takes to hit the earnings targets. And that's exactly what happened here. Grab some popcorn and put your feet up. Here comes the unethical behavior. To boost sales, Take-Two engaged in hundreds of so-called parking transactions. Here's how this works. Take-Two shipped product to its distributors and asked them to hold it for a little while. Then after the quarter was over and Take-Two had hit its sales target, the distributors would return the product. That's why it's called a parking transaction. Take-Two essentially parked its inventory with the distributor for a little while, but didn't actually sell them the inventory since the distributor was just going to return all the games the next quarter. Clearly, these were bogus sales. Now, you might be wondering, why would Take-Two pay money to ship games out to a distributor only to pay to have them ship right back? Why not just write up a fake sales invoice? It's because Take-Two needed to create the illusion that these were real sales. If the auditors asked for proof that these were actual sales, Take-Two could show them evidence that the games had been physically shipped out. But what happens when the distributor returns the games the very next quarter? If the auditors see a massive amount of returns, they're going to get suspicious. This is where Take-Two got really creative. When the distributors returned the product, Take-Two didn't record a return. Instead, Take-Two treated it as a purchase of new inventory. All these games that arrived in the mail today aren't returns. They're the new shipment of inventory we've been expecting. Pretty clever, right? Now, Take-Two didn't want to limit itself to just one type of fraud. It improperly accounted for two acquisitions to boost profit by $20 million. And in some cases, it recorded sales when production of the games hadn't even been completed. Because of all this fraud, 
Take-Two met its earnings targets for every quarter in 2000. Brandt and the other executives got their bonuses. So how did they get caught? Well, someone pointed out that Take-Two was reporting a lot higher figures for game sales than the figures that were being reported by retailers. The SEC launched an investigation and Take-Two had to restate its earnings in 2002. Ryan Brand had resigned from being CEO a year before, so he couldn't be fired, but he remained chairman of the board. Thus, I don't think Take-Two took the fraud that seriously, but it definitely should have because it was about to happen again. In 2004, the SEC forced Take-Two to restate its financials again. The company was forced to remove 88 sales that had improperly inflated revenue. And it also failed to set aside enough reserves for future price concessions that it granted to customers. The bottom line is that the company overstated profits for 9 out of 15 quarters between 2000 and the third quarter of 2003. Branton Take-Two settled with the SEC, paying $11 million in fines. Brant resigned as chairman this time, so you'd think we're all done with this. But no. In 2006, the Wall Street Journal blew the lid on a huge scandal. Executives at hundreds of companies have been backdating their stock options. Here's how backdating works. A stock option gives you the right to buy a stock at a certain price. Companies typically set that price, which is called the strike price, to be the same as the stock price on the day that the option was granted. Thus, if a company gives its CEO an option on December 31st, and the stock price on December 31st is $50, the company would set the strike price to be $50. This makes the intrinsic value of the option zero. If the CEO exercised the option immediately, they wouldn't make any money. But what if the CEO looked back over the prior year and saw that the stock price reached a low of just $32 on June 15th? A dishonest CEO could change the grant date of the option to make it look like the option was really granted back on June 15th when the price was just $32. The strike price would then be set at $32 instead of the current price of $50. The CEO is now getting an in-the-money option. They have the option to immediately buy a $50 stock for just $32. The SEC investigated more than 140 companies for options backdating. And of course, Take-Two and Ryan Brandt were right in the middle of it. Brandt had been backdating options for years, making millions in the process. But that's not the only adverse effect of backdating options. Because you're giving out in-the-money options, but you're pretending like they're not in the money, you're understating the company's stock compensation expense. And this overstates the company's profit. Thus, Take-Two had to restate its financials a third time, having inflated profit by $42 million from 1997 to 2005. But this time, the outcome would be different for Brandt. This time, he got charged with a crime. Now, you might be surprised to hear this, but backdating options is perfectly legal. It's failing to disclose that you backdated options, which is illegal. Take-Two is a publicly traded company, and Brandt had lied to its investors. That's why he got charged with a crime. Brandt didn't want to take his chances with the jury, though, so in 2007, he pled guilty to, quote, falsifying business records. So do you think he'll get sentenced to prison? Nope.
Despite all the accounting tricks, despite all the fraud, the three restatements, Brandt was sentenced to just five years of probation. Now, he did have to pay a $1 million fine and another $6.3 million to settle a civil case. And the SEC did ban him from serving as an executive at a publicly traded company. So he did get punished. But all things considered, I think he got off fairly easy. So Brandt's days of accounting fraud were over. But he did make the news again. In 2017, Brandt stiffed a nonprofit on a $70,000 painting that he'd won at an auction. The nonprofit, which was run by a member of the Kennedy family, Anthony Shriver, kept hounding Brandt for the money. Brandt wrote several checks, but the checks kept bouncing. When the Miami Herald ran a story about it, Brandt said, quote, I did buy a painting at an auction that year, but I don't remember if I paid. I think I did, and I don't know no Anthony Shriver. That sounds like something a character in Grand Theft Auto would say. In all seriousness, though, I've thought about Brandt and the fraud at Take-Two for weeks because I still don't understand exactly why it happened. The company wasn't struggling, and it sold lots of video games. But that wasn't enough for Brandt, and he kept cutting corners to make even more money. I don't get this, especially because Brandt came from a very wealthy family. He clearly didn't need the extra cash. His dad, Peter Brandt, was a billionaire at one point. Peter Brandt published magazines, produced films, and married a famous supermodel, Stephanie Seymour. Maybe Ryan wanted to have the same kind of lifestyle as his dad. Ryan Brandt died in May of 2019 at the age of just 47 due to cardiac arrest. Grand Theft Auto lives on, however, and it's as popular a game as ever. Maybe the next Grand Theft Auto will be about a guy who commits accounting fraud again and again, but never has to go to jail. I'm Michael McLaughlin, and you've been listening to Scheme.